Good morning. And I'm excited to preach. I, I, my first ever sermon was January 1st of this year, and I get to actually preach on December 31st. So I started the year off here preaching. I'm finishing the year off preaching. I got to preach in the middle of the year. So I've heard if you're telling a story, it's got to be a good middle or beginning, middle, and end. So I've gotten to do all three. So, Chad, we've got it covered. Um, now, uh, I just want to confess something. This is something that um, my dad knows a lot. He's over there, and Casey is learning. Um, I'm pretty sure she knows it pretty well. But um, I don't like to be wrong. Is anyone else in this room like that? Like, they don't like to be wrong. Um, some of y'all don't point at your spouses. That would be mean. Um, but I don't like to be wrong. And, like, I will go out of my way to prove that I am right and you are wrong in an argument. Like, if I deem I'm right... I'm going to go through great links. And technology has given me the best tool in the world is if I think I'm right and I think you're wrong, I will pull out my phone, get on Google, and I will find the facts to prove that I am right and you are wrong. Right? And this, uh, this leads me because uh, there's several different things I like. I love sports. I love music, movies, TV shows. So I like to gain as much knowledge about those things that I love so that when I'm in a, a conversation with some, somebody, say it's uh, sports, I'm going to throw every statistic at you that I know. Um, that my dad is like fantasy football. Me and him can get in arguments over fantasy football because I know it and he doesn't. So, um, <laughs> so I, and this is, this is some, one of the things. I love this band named Casting Crowns. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're on Christian radio and they sing songs such as Praise You in the Storm and Just Be Held. They have a beautiful version of uh, Glorious Day. And one of their Christmas songs that they wrote several years ago, um, well, they put music to a poem called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Chad mentioned this, uh, this particular poem in a sermon a couple of weeks ago. This poem is by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and it was written in uh, 1863, if you're a history person, that's right in the middle of the Civil War. So in the middle of the Civil War, there's brother literally fighting against brother. And that year, his son was fighting in the war, and he found out that his son was injured and crippled in the war. That same year, his wife dies in a fire at their house. This was a really bad year. And he, was, he went into a depression and uh, it was around Christmas time, and the church starts ringing the bells to just to signify it's Christmas time. And every year before that, he'd hear those bells, and he would, he would just be reminded that there's peace on earth and goodwill to men. And this year, the bells are ringing, and they didn't mean that. If you look at uh, the screen, there's uh, some of the lyrics. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet their words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So he's sitting there like, they, that's what they say every year to me. But this year, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He's looking around at his life, and he's like, there possibly cannot be peace on earth. Look at everything that's going around. I mean, you just look at the country at that time. It was divided. He's like, there is no peace on earth. But he'd hear the bells ring, and he'd hear the bells ring, and he'd hear the bells ring. And through it, 
to hearing the bells just over and over, it says, Then pilled the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth. Good well to men. As he's hearing this, he is reminded of there is peace on earth. It took time after time of that bell ringing. And if you read the entire poem, it's just a, it is a beautiful poem of someone just sitting down, pouring their thoughts out. And as we've been looking at the Christmas story over the past several weeks, we've seen many people called out of darkness and into the light of Christmas. As Jesus was coming down to earth to be born in a manger, all these people from Mary to Joseph to the wise men and the shepherds, they're all being called out of darkness and into the light. And this morning, it brings me to my main point is we are all called by God. Every single one of us is called by God. Um, One of my favorite Bible verses uh, is Isaiah 26.8. If you have your Bibles, just flip there real quick. We're going to spend a a little bit of time looking at this uh, just verse this morning. Isaiah 26.8, it reads, Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. This is kind of like one of those life verses for me. I can go to this verse constantly, and I'm reminded of several different things that I I want to talk about this morning. And um, so I'm going to break down little bit by little bit of this verse. And the first part of this verse simply states, Yes, Lord. And yes, Lord, is the response for when we are called by God. Right? Um, my, uh, over Christmas, I got to spend time with my nephews. My nephews are, Oliver is two years old. Logan is four years old. Uh, they are insane. I have a scratch on my forehead from them. Um, they're nuts. But I love them. And Logan, the four-year-old, has developed this habit of using this two-letter word called No. Some of you parents are familiar with it, right? So, I mean, my sister will look at Logan and be like, Logan, clean up your toys. No. Logan, eat your food. No. Logan, let's put on your pajamas. No. Right? And my sister's doing all this because she wants to take care of Logan. She's not just trying to be mean to him. She wants him to put on his PJs at night so he's warm and he sleeps well. She wants him to eat his food so he can grow up and be big and strong. She wants him to clean his toys so she doesn't trip over him and try to spank him for it, right? She's trying to protect him. But he knows this word no. And too often I feel like as we're walking around and God's calling us to do certain things in our life, we look at him and say no. We look at him and say no. And I feel like we do this for a couple of reasons, Um, whether it be selfish ambition or just fear. Selfish ambition, we, we look at it and God calls us to do something and we look at, look at God and we're like, oh God, that's not my five-year plan. Uh, that's not what I had in mind for my life. I was going to school for this and you're calling me to do this and that's completely going against what I want to do. So I am not going to do that, God. That's, that's just not my plan. Or we look at it and we're like, you know, I'm really comfortable where I am right now, God. I'm I go to church on Sunday. I sometimes go to church on Wednesday. I sing the songs. I, I, I listen to the sermon. When I go home, I, I pray before meals. I pray before I go to sleep. I'm good where I'm at. 
I'm in my comfort zone, God. So you're calling me to do something that's, that's a little outside of it, and that's not okay with me. So I'm going to stay where I am. And we tell God no. Or maybe we're the, the person who's scared we just don't measure up to what God's calling us to do. We're scared maybe that we, we've just messed up in life. Or just, God can't save me. He can't save me from what I've done. There's no way he can use me for what I've done. He just, he's calling me, but he doesn't know all this about me. Or maybe we're just scared of the unknown. If we take that step, man, I don't know if I'm going to have the same friends tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to have the same family tomorrow if I do this for you, God. And you're calling me to get on a plane and go to Ecuador? (sighs) No. We're scared of what the unknown might be. Um, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. When God's calling us to do something, when God's calling us out of the darkness into the light, he is saying, I have a plan specifically for you. I have a plan to give you a great future. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you an easy future, but he says, I'm going to give you a great future. It might not be the future you had in mind, but I promise you it's so much better than what you had in mind. So just knowing all this, one of my favorite, one of my favorite um, quotes that I've ever heard, because I feel like we use this all the time, is just I'm not qualified to do what God's calling me to do. And my favorite quote, one of them is, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I just love that statement. When God calls you to do something, he's not calling you because he goes, I know you have every skill to complete this task. He's like, I'm calling you so I can give you every skill to complete this task. And by the end of it, people will know my name because they know you couldn't do it on your own. And so knowing all this, our answer should be, yes, Lord, when he calls us. We shouldn't be scared that we shouldn't sit there and try to put our own plans in front of God's because he's got a better plan for us. So instead of saying no, our response should be, yes, Lord. The second part of that verse says, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. And this is the action. It's easy to say stuff. Right now, uh, all the students, we were getting ready uh, for tonight of doing a lock-in, right? We're going to stay up all night till like 6 a.m., but because of the weather uh, and the stuff that was falling from the sky and all that, we, we have postponed the lock-in, not canceled the lock-in, postponed. Uh, that's a better word for it. And, but if you say something, you've got to follow through with action. We do plan on doing a lock-in because we said we were going to do one. But you must follow your response with an action. And it's the first part of this says, walking in the ways of your laws. This is important. This is following the word of God. I tell the students all the time that um, in order to know what God is calling us to do, we have to know the voice of God. And we've got to know what God sounds like and what God's personality is. Because how many of y'all have ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're like, 
well, yeah, I was talking to Bill, and Bill said this, this, and this. And you're like, Bill wouldn't say that. I know Bill. Man, people can do that with God, too. They go, well, God would call, is calling me to do this, this, and this. And you're like, man, I know God. I'm with God all the time. I'm reading his words, and that's not something God would do. That's not something God would call somebody to do. So we have to know the voice and the personality of God, and the way we do that is reading his word. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. And some people look at this book, and they just see just words. They look at it, and they're like, this is... I mean, I was in a, cl- a college class, and I tell, I tell the students this all the time, where one stu- student in that class said, this is a book that teaches good morals. It's just a book of stories that teaches good morals. And this world looks at this book, and they just see words on a page. But if you, turn, uh, if you, if you read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if you want to be equipped for what God is calling you to do, you must open the book. You must follow what God is calling you to do. And you know that by reading this book. This book is the life source for us. It's, we breathe it in and we breathe it out. And because of that, we, we are taught by the word of God. We are corrected by the word of God. And we know what is righteous and what is of God because we read the word of God. There's no substitute for reading the word of God. You can listen to all the sermons in the world. You can read all the, the books in the world. But if you're not in this... You're not going to know the true personality of God. You're not going to know what God is really like. So we walk in the ways of his laws by reading the word of God. The next part of it says, we wait for you. This is challenging, isn't it? How many of y'all have ever prayed for patience? Casey warns me all the time when I'm like, let's pray for patience. She's like, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. We're about to get tested. You know that. Right? But I look all throughout Scripture, and you see instances in Scripture where people who were called by God didn't wait for God's timing. You look at maybe Abraham and Sarah. They took some matters into their own hands, didn't they? Didn't work out quite so well for them. But you look at other stories within Scripture, and I'm just reminded of the Israelites walking around the walls of Jericho. They did that for seven days. They're like, these walls could fall any time. Like, they, they're probably like, one lap around these and the walls fall. We're good. We don't have to wait for seven days on this. And God's like, no, you're going to wait seven days. Because at the end of it, people were like, their God did that. You look at the uh, story of Joseph and all that he went through of being sold into slavery and being um, accused of trying to sleep with a master's wife and all this stuff that he was going through. And each time he'd get knocked down, he'd get back up and he'd be in a place where he's like, and God's going to use me here. And then he'd get knocked down again. And finally, 
it all paid off in the end when God put Joseph in the right position to be at the right place at the right time so he could do what God really wanted him to do. Joseph had to wait. You take a look at the uh, story of David. Oh my goodness, that guy had to wait. He was anointed king as a teenager and had to wait several years before he was appointed king. He had many opportunities to try and take what was appointed his, but he waited for God's timing and what he had for his, and what God had for his life. So Joseph, David, and the Israelites walking around Jericho, they all had to wait for the right timing. And they do all this and they and they and they sit there and wait for God, but while they're doing it, they're serving God. They're constantly learning about God. David spent so much time with God. You look at the book of Psalms and you just see David pouring out his heart to God constantly. He's spending time with God so that when he was when God goes, go, David goes, I know what you're wanting to do. So while they waited, they walked in the wisdom and the laws of God. And the last part of that verse says, your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. And this is the why. This is why we do the saying, yes, Lord. This is why we, we, we walk in the ways of his laws. And this is why we wait is because for your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. That's the why. I love it. Um, you look at scripture and we're called to just let our light shine. This little light of mine, anybody know the song, right? We're called to let it shine. God's not calling us to just uh, accept him as Lord and Savior, and that's it. That's all we have for our lives. If that was the case, there would be a big hole above the baptism, and when we were baptized, we'd be gone, because that's our purpose. We've accepted Christ. We're done. But no, God wants us to take him to the rest of the world. We want, he wants us to let a, the light shine. You look at Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that you, they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. It's not so that they can sit there and praise you. It's not so they can sit there and pat you on the back and go, well, job well done. You did great. It's so that God gets the glory in this. You look at um, Ephesians. It says, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good deeds, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10. God's prepared stuff for us. He's created us to do stuff in Jesus so that God gets the glory. And if you open up, we're going to spend some time in this one too. So open up to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Many of us know this story in Acts chapter 9. And it's, we look at it and we say, that's, well, that's about Saul being, like, finding Jesus on the road to Damascus. And um, we're going to read that, but we're also going to read the story of Ananias. And Ananias is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. He's not in there very long, but he has a fun role. So starting in verse 9, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if they found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, and they heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This is a story of someone who was totally against Jesus. Like Saul murdered, uh, murdered people who followed Jesus. He put people who followed Jesus in prison. And this is a story of someone who, who was not a believer in Jesus finding the light. The light literally shone and blinded him. And I love, my, my favorite part of this is when it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul replied, who are you, Lord? I love that. He knew immediately who was calling him. That who are you, I think he was just startled. But you see the fact that Saul was called out of the darkness and into the light. Someone who had no business that in our mind we would go, that man has no business walking in a church. Right? A man has no business being used by God, and you're like, and God's like, no, I'm going to use him. As we see later, God's like, I'm going to use this man. And we look in verse 10, we see the other character in the story. We see this man named Ananias, and it says in verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him to go to to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask a man from Tardis named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after uh, taking some food, he regained his strength. This is one of my, like, just cool moments in the Bible. Um, This guy got to have a cool conversation with God. I love it. Um, God comes to Ananias, and just, he says one word. He goes, Ananias. And Ananias was like, I know that voice. And he responds with, yes, Lord, just like we were talking about in Isaiah. He immediately responds with, yes, Lord. 
And then God gives them the instruction. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tardis named Saul. That's very specific instructions. Like, don't all of us wish we could get those, like, specific instructions sometimes from God, right? But these are specific instructions. Like, he left no doubt in Ananias' mind who he was going to see. Because there was this man named Saul there. And Ananias knew about Saul. I imagine a lot of people knew who Saul was. You tried to avoid Saul. You did not try to go to the house in which Saul was at. And God goes, I want you to go to him. He's at this house on this street. And Ananias looks at God and he's like, I've heard about this guy. Like, he, he throws people in jail. He's actually come here, God, to throw people like me in jail. That's what he's called, come here to do. Like, he's looking at God going, you're crazy right now. Like, I don't know, you're crazy. But I love the fact that all God had to say was, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and to their kings and before the people of Israel. God's like, go, this man is going to spread my name across this area. And Ananias was like, good enough for me. Man, how how awesome would it be if, if we as believers, that any time God goes, go. And we might have a reservation about it and go like, I'm not so sure about this. And God's like, go. My name is going to be carried. And we're like, okay, that sounds like a good plan. Man, this world would change. Because the people who have the light in them, the believers in Christ, are going out and doing what God's calling us to do. And that's what Ananias did. And you saw he, he went, he laid his hands on him, he did exactly what God told him to do. And from that, we have a majority of the New Testament. The gospel was spread all across the area in that time because Ananias followed what God wanted him to do, placed his hands upon this man who was there originally to throw him in prison. And then Saul became Paul and the world changed. Um, a couple of years ago, for myself, um, I had one of those moments. Uh, I'd been on a couple of mission trips. I had gone to Colorado. I call it a mission trip. This one was a sightseeing trip where in which we did missions. We were at the Air Force Base in Colorado, and we got to do a lot of cool things on the Air Force Base. We led worship at the, Air, uh, the Cadet Chapel there. Um, we led vacation Bible schools. Um, we Also, with my last church, we went to... Um, Port Arthur, Texas. And if you want a great smelling city, Port Arthur is not the city to go to. Um, Oil refineries all around this place. And we got to do vacation Bible schools in this project neighborhoods. And I'm like, this is mission trips. And I'm like, God, you can send other people to other, other countries, get them on a plane, have them go across oceans. I'm good. I'm going to stay right here. There's plenty of people here in Texas that need Jesus, and that is all true. And then God started talking to me because I made that, I'm going to stay here, you send other people. And our church was getting ready to send a group to Ecuador a couple of summers ago. Um, and I was like, y'all have fun. 
And then God started talking to me. And I, I had like, I don't know if it was either a moment of weakness or a moment of just like insanity. But I mentioned to Chad like, yeah, I was, for some reason I was thinking like, and Chad's like, get in the room. And all of a sudden I was going on the mission trip and I was in Ecuador, right? I'm where I can't drink the tap water. I'm where like there's an electrical current above my shower head. Like it's totally outside my comfort zone. But while I was there, God showed me that he was preparing me all along for impacting the people in Ecuador. I got to go there and I, I got to pray with people who had sick kids. I've, I've gotten to go there and, and lead worship with people who don't speak the same language as me. I don't speak Spanish, but I got to lead worship with people who do, and it's just two groups of people worshiping the same God. And I've gotten to see all that because I was able, I just stepped out in a moment of insanity and God goes, go. And I was like, okay. okay. And I did it. And God has shown me that even though I feel like I'm ill-equipped for something, that God is going to give me every tool I need. And at the end of the day, God is going to get the glory for what happens. So, this morning we have several opportunities as we come to just a time of invitation. We have several, several opportunities to, to just respond to what God's calling us to do. We have opportunities to respond to the light, and how will you respond? You might be someone who, this morning, you've just never really stepped into the light to begin with. You've been someone who has stayed back. You haven't come to know Jesus as your personal Savior. And this morning, you're like, I'm going to step out into the light. I'm going to let God just fill my life up with him. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're someone who's been visiting this church for a while, and you're feeling called to be a part of this church. And let me tell you, there is no better church family than this one. I love this church family. We have people from our church all the way in Virginia, and you see them, and it's still family. This is an amazing church. And if you feel called to be a part of this church, we'd love to have you. Maybe this morning you just need to have a conversation with God. The altar is open. Chad and I will be down here to just pray with you, to talk with you, to whatever is needed this morning for how you respond to the light. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and Bill and the band are going to come up here and, and lead a song of worship, and we're going to have a moment to just respond. We're going to respond to what God's calling us to do as we enter this new year. How are we all going to, as followers of Christ, take a step of faith for Jesus this year? How are we going to? It, it might be going to Virginia. It might be going to Ecuador. It might be being involved in all the mission projects that we do in this area. But God's calling each and every one of us, if we are a follower of him, to step out and share the light of Jesus with the world. So I'm going to pray, and the band's going to lead. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning just thankful that you call each and every one of us out of the darkness and into the light, and that our story is not finished there. That you've called us to not... Just step into the light, but share the light with the people in this world around us. 
I pray that each and every one of us, if we're a follower of you, that we step out in faith and lead people towards you. That you equip us with that ability and that you give us the faith and the courage to step out. We love you. We thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.